Hello again, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. This marks the 50th episode of this podcast, and that feels like a lovely milestone. Indeed, when I set out to do things, I don't set a specific goal that I intend to hit, but it's always nice to celebrate those special little moments along the way. I've been sketching stuff now for almost 1,800 consecutive days, which feels like a bit of an achievement as well. Yet it's really been one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life because sketching and coloring with watercolor is just so much fun. This set of stories was inspired while I was sketching very colorful things. Indeed, I adore playing with color, and it's often surprising to me what appears in my sketchbook. I don't have a plan when I begin, but just let the colors choose themselves in the moment. This is because each day I let my inner child decide what I should make next, and that's what's kept me going on this journey and why I share my inner thoughts with all of you. It can sometimes seem challenging to show up and make something each and every day, but I assure you it's actually quite easy. And best of all, it's really fun. Especially when you approach it with glee, hand-in-hand with your own inner child while sketching colorful stuff. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Delightful Decadence For a prompt of donuts once I decided to show up with a half dozen of them to share. Donuts were my favorite treat when I was a kid and I still remember the little donut shop that we went to in our town. At the time, I always got a very specific cake donut with pink frosting. It was my absolute favorite back then, second only to the chocolate long john donut with the white stuff inside that was just called fluff. As an adult, I still love many donuts, but they all taste a little too sweet to me. Not sure if my tastes have changed or if, like most things, the amount of sugar inside just doubled over the years. And at my age, it's not wise to indulge in too many sugary things. But I believe all good things should stay in my life, even if moderation starts to mean that they become super rare. For many my age and older, the donut has become a do not, but I still have them sometimes, or my inner child would throw a full and complete tantrum. Today though, there's only one kind that I find impossible to turn down and it's not one of the ones that I've sketched. It's just a simple glazed donut. Nothing colorful or covered in sprinkles, but just the most basic donut of all. Looking back, my early donut choices were pretty basic as well, save the pink icing. Color is something that's always attracted my attention. In truth, I was perfectly wowed by color when I was a kid. The bright pictures on the cereal boxes wooed me, and I'd want those colorful marshmallows the Lucky Charms Leprechaun was offering. And while I did get that cereal a few times, I ultimately ended up just wanting Frosted Flakes. It was sort of the glazed donut of the cereal aisle at the time. Though I loved the look of colorful treats, I tended to enjoy the simpler options best. It's equally why I'm perfectly satisfied with just a big bowl of whipped cream. Though Philippe never actually lets me have a big bowl. The term decadent is often used to describe rich desserts or just about anything made with lots of chocolate. It's a word that wasn't meant to be a compliment as its first definition is a state of moral or cultural decline. 
But these days, that's a bit tough to riddle out, so it's mostly shifted to the second definition of luxurious self-indulgence. I rather like this one, as it sounds like a touch naughty without creating the fall of an empire. A perfect way to describe a rare and fabulous treat. Indeed, I believe we should be self-indulgent at times. This is simply the act of doing exactly what one wants. It sounds easy enough, but in practice, the hardest part is knowing what you really want in the first place. There are constant moments in my life where I think I really, really want something. Uh, something that's perfectly unnecessary, but so pretty, interesting, or novel that I just have to have it. I'll usually let the notion simmer in my mind for a few days in order to see if it's just a passing fancy, and depending on the cost, I might just go ahead and indulge myself. Philippe is similar in this, but will ponder things for many weeks before making a purchase. I once caught him studying something he saw in an online shop for the fifth time in a matter of weeks and glanced over his shoulder to see the cost. I was expecting something atrocious, but in the end, it was only $5. I had to marvel at this level of shrewd scrutiny when it comes to indulgences, and it's nice to know I have a very frugal husband to balance me out. But I learned a lot in that moment. It wasn't about the price of something, it was only about the value. He hadn't decided if it was something valuable to him yet. Looking back on that little pink donut as a child, it was very valuable to me because it only happened a few times a year. When something starts to feel truly special, it becomes worthy of indulgence. Whether it's rich dessert shared with someone you love or something that just makes your heart smile, life is never more wonderful than when it comes with just the perfect touch of delightful decadence. Learning to play. For prompted marbles once, I somehow stumbled across videos of kittens playing with them. So, after finally pausing the videos long enough to sketch something, that's what I ended up with. As many of you know, by now, I'm actually allergic to cats, but I adore them, so sketching them always makes me feel like I get to have one of my very own. Watching cats playing with marbles is strangely satisfying, and I love seeing the determined and focused expression as they hunt them down. And well, marbles are simply something I've always adored. I never played the actual game they're meant for, but loved making elaborate marble runs as a kid and watching them roll and twist their way through whatever contraption I created. One of the best things about being a little kid, or a little cat for that matter, is that everything is always so wonderful and new. There's so much to learn, but much of that learning is done by simply experiencing the world. And lots and lots of playtime. In case you haven't noticed, nothing much has changed with me. I still think that play is the best way to learn something new, and I still love to play each and every day. So thanks for stopping by my sketchbook playground to see what this big kid made in his sandbox today. Throughout my life, I've gone through sudden spurts of wanting to learn all I could about something or another. I spent one year studying screenwriting, for example. This included attending a master's level course at a university. I loved that class. On the first day, the professor showed us clips from classic movies and then pulled out the key concepts of each and how they applied to story structure. Then he told us to go write a five-page script. 
Many of the other students were noticeably rattled by this sudden assignment and complained that they had not been given the proper steps involved. I wasn't even sure what they meant since there are no specific steps in the creative process for me. It's always been just learning the key concepts, proceeding to leaps of faith, playing around at something, jumping in before knowing much of anything, failing, trying again, and then suddenly making something new. It's a messy process to be sure, but it's so freeing and fun. And it's precisely the same process that we all used as kids. So I appreciate this professor's approach tremendously because it allowed me the opportunity to experience my own intuition. Sure, this moment came back to me while I was watching a kitten playing with marbles. That's totally ridiculous to consider, but it's equally kind of awesome. When I'm playing, there's never a way to do something incorrectly. There are no rules to follow, and therefore no rules to break. That feeling of intense joy and freedom is something I remember vividly as a child. The only thing certain was that I would certainly have a bit of fun if I tried something new. As much as I'd love to say I can always recapture this feeling as an adult, I have to admit that it's difficult sometimes. Yeah, even the big kid struggles with this one. I will still often worry that what I'm doing isn't the right approach. I question myself and this stops me from taking that next leap. So instead, I've started asking myself better questions. What would little Charlie do in this situation? Instead of wondering what would happen if he failed, he would only wonder what would happen when he succeeds. This certainly is something we adults call confidence, but when you're a kid, it's just learning to play. Taking a rest. For a prompt of cactus once, I opted for a blossoming one with a little wren resting on top. The weather wasn't warm where I lived at the time and there was quite a lot of snow and ice on the ground. It's rather lovely to be sure, but not super colorful. And the effect always turns me into a full-on kid again as I just want to stay inside and play all day. Thankfully, it was Sunday and I had the day off work, so I just treated it like a snow day like I just found out my school classes were canceled. So instead of working on projects, that's exactly how I behaved. The end result, of course, is that I got nothing much accomplished, but I had a heck of a lot of fun. I did break out of my restful doing nothing time long enough to sketch in color, but that always counts as play for me as well. And this particular one was a fun one as I just splashed on color quickly without fussing over things at all. I think that in itself is a wonderful exercise and a good reminder to myself to do so more often. I rather liked the glow that appeared on this one and it matched quite well with my mood. Many times when I choose to take a little break, my adult brain starts nagging me. It preaches to me about all sorts of alarming things. Then the guilt sets in. The fact that I didn't take the time I had to do something productive. What I've learned instead is that very often taking these breaks can be the most productive thing of all. There have been many times when I just wasn't getting the sketch I wanted, so instead of worrying about it, I just walked away for a while. Sometimes I've just abandoned something I was trying to sketch entirely because it was feeling like a struggle. 
In my childlike world, there should never be a struggle, only joy. Most of the time when I return to something, it suddenly becomes the easiest thing in the world. This is when I know that my inner child showed up to rescue me. Whatever was blocking me from seeing had disappeared and everything popped back into focus again. Creativity isn't one of those things in life that can be forced. It always needs a bit of space to grow properly. So I adore the days when I choose to fall backward and let the day simply take me where it wants me to go next. And yes, my adult brain is telling me in this very moment that I'm just rationalizing all of this to make myself feel less like a slug. Yet that's the thing. I feel totally great. I feel wonderfully recharged and ready to do just about anything that comes to mind. It's quite simple why this happens. My mind has had time to clear itself out properly. There's a lot of mental junk that gets stored there. It's sort of like a closet that becomes less of an organizational tool and instead becomes a way to hide things that we just can't bother to deal with in the moment. That's why I like to practice a bit of spring cleaning when it comes to my brain. And while cleaning out a closet is an absolute chore, brain cleaning is just about having a lot of fun. It's also giving myself permission to do what I truly want to do in a given moment rather than what I feel like I must do. Weirdly, I get a heck of a lot more done in the process. So my heart always knows that no matter what my brain is telling me or how much I feel I should be doing, there's often nothing better than taking a rest. The Magic of Precious Things When thinking of a prompt of gemstone once, my mind went back in time to when I was a kid. I was perfectly fascinated with all types of shiny stones. I thought they simply must possess some sort of magic. My cousin and I used to wander alongside the train tracks looking for quartz crystals. It was like finding a bit of gold or something equally precious. I would even make little silent wishes while holding one of these crystals. Some of them actually came true, but there's no proof that it was caused by a lump of quartz. Like most wishes in life, the real magic comes from within us. But that didn't stop me from wanting to believe in something just a bit more theatrical. I remember watching the movie The Dark Crystal, which featured a powerful gem that once provided balance to the universe. So yeah, maybe that was it now that I think about it. Yet, admittedly, I never found anything quite that incredible on the side of the railroad tracks, but I adored whatever little gem I could find. In truth, anything can become special when our hearts make that decision, but rarity is the thing that can make something truly precious. I was born in April, so my birthstone is said to be a diamond. When I was in high school, this was problematic when going to purchase a class ring as a white piece of glass just wasn't that interesting to me. I opted for a blue sapphire instead, or its cheaper visual equivalent. And prior to the 20th century, that was indeed an option for April. I could have followed the tropical zodiac, but this was a bloodstone, and I was born a week too early for a sapphire. But I figured it was close enough, and indeed blue was my favorite color at the time, so that won out. Truly, I've always found all of those charts to be equal parts confusing and fascinating. As for the ring, it was worn for about a year and then placed into a box. 
I've actually no idea which box it is in now, so that will no doubt be a lovely discovery one day in the future. When something once adored becomes a memory, it only has to be discovered once again to renew that feeling of wonder. Whether or not it will actually feel like a needful thing again is anyone's guess, but the memory alone is something worth cherishing. Having never worn jewelry much, I don't have a lot of experience with gemstones, except that time in college when I thought piercing an ear would be cool and left the mall with a fake diamond stud in one. That lasted only six months. This had nothing to do with changing trends, but simply my usual lack of patience for adding an additional step before properly starting my day. After forgetting to put the earring back in for several days in a row, I eventually forgot about it entirely. Only the now microscopic indentation on my ear would ever betray the fact that I ever wore one. I did wear cufflinks for a time as I ended up with several shirts from designers who thought this was trendy. It wasn't. It was just a pain in the ass. So I stopped that as well. I guess I've learned that for an object to be considered truly important, it now comes down to me and me alone. I'm not swayed by what's in, as I'm far too old to bother with any of that nonsense now. It's a great feeling indeed. One much more like my childhood self, when even a rock could become something exceptional with enough imagination. And that's how I choose to live my life today, always on the lookout for wonder in the world around me and finally understanding the true magic of precious things. A still life. For a prompt once, I decided to take nature indoors, as I'm often prone to do since I like showing evidence of human life while usually avoiding ever actually painting a human. This still life is something one might find when visiting grandmother's house, or perhaps, as Philippe remarked, a hat that Carmen Miranda might wear. This was from a reference, as I don't have a proper fruit bowl. Our fruits are simply flung at the end of the table in whatever bag they came in and not meticulously displayed. Often they end up next to a bag of potatoes that normally fits in a drawer in the kitchen but loses its spot because I failed to put the pans away in that Tetris-style method required to house them properly. When I was growing up, I remember visiting houses with fake fruit in a bowl as a form of decor. Most of it looked as perfectly inedible as it was when you got too close, so there wasn't any real threat of accidentally ingesting plastic. Created, I can only assume to preserve the beautiful and brief moment of a lovely full fruit display before it's devoured, leaving only a graveyard of stems and peels. We went to see a play once based on one of my favorite books, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. An unusual and intriguing story of a young boy with autism who sets out on a detective journey after the suspicious death of a neighborhood dog. With his inability to tell lies, this book is rife with so many wonderful and revealing truths. I was equally curious how this story might translate to stage, but was not disappointed at all, as it was incredibly captivating and awesome. The protagonist seemed to have no understanding of human emotions, yet perfectly manages to make us feel all of them. And his fear of the cacophony of the world around him reveals just how chaotic our world has really become. This has nothing at all to do with fruit, of course, but it just came to mind, so I thought I'd share it. But strangely, it equally seems fitting when met with an image that depicts the simplest bits of life. 
As I show up and choose something to paint and write about each day, I fully realize that many of my posts are simply rambles. But that's what life is, after all. It's just a series of events that sometimes don't seem to add up to anything significant. In most cases, living consists of just another day with nothing particularly monumental happening at all. But I adore each of those days. Those seconds where you can simply pause, take in the world around you, and be nothing more than a part of it. Not trying to affect change or make something insanely different happen, just being present. So many days I feel like I'm rushing around, barely knowing which way is up. But on the weekends, I like to take a little break, enjoying things as they come and not stressing about anything at all. Sure, there are thousands of things that I should be doing right now. But in this moment, I'm more than content simply enjoying the benefits of living a still life. That next masterpiece. For a prompt of crayons once, I didn't have my crayons with me when I was ready to sketch them. So I closed my eyes and thought back to when I was a kid. Then I grabbed a brush pen and very quickly sketched what I remembered. This was, I recall, the usual scene. A cup of some kind held the crayons that had already been orphaned from their original box. Just a handful of colors were selected from the cup, and those would be the ones that I'd use to make my next amazing work of art. The tips were usually much more worn out, but I also remember that getting a box of fresh crayons was the coolest thing in the world, and that familiar smell of fresh wax and hope was all I needed to be inspired to create something wonderful. Did I always make wonderful art as a kid? Of course I did. We all did. Every single time. It would be years before I would ever question that. Years before I would think that what I made wasn't particularly amazing every day. Now as a busy adult, I still have to keep myself from questioning what I create. But mostly, I'm just excited I was ever able to make something in the first place. When I look back to those young artistic days, I remember I always loved to draw. Yet I also remember that I didn't love to color quite as much. Crayons were clunky and didn't blend very well. Colored pencils were fun, but it took too long to color things. Weirdly, I didn't use watercolor as a kid, so hadn't yet found that one way to color that would ultimately thrill me. Most of the work that my mother kept, the ones that won awards, were all black and white drawings. So that's why I got so excited when I discovered watercolor. It was just the crayon I'd been looking for all my life. And truly, that's how I use it. I color my illustrations, but I don't make proper paintings. I'm a huge fanboy of watercolor painters, of course, so I feature them as often as I can on my site. No matter how one chooses to use a medium, there's so much to learn from absolutely everyone else who's using it as well. I borrowed techniques from my awesome watercolor painting friends and applied them to my illustrations. It's the same kind of learning I employed back when I was just playing around with crayons. But today, my mom's refrigerator has become my blog at doodlewash.com, 
as well as the various social media spaces where I post. My audience of just one has grown to be quite a few more these days, yet I still like to think that each time I post, I'm just handing in a coloring page to mom. It takes all the pressure off and makes me super happy to remember back to those times. Sure, I want to improve as an artist and do better and better work, but that just happens naturally when a person continues to show up. Nobody gets worse at something by practicing. And even if the improvements seem slight or too small or even unrecognizable from day to day, the magic is always happening. There are things I wish to improve upon, though, so I just try them more when I can. It's also why there have been a lot of critters around lately. I've not really mastered any of the things I've set out to learn on this art journey, but there's plenty of time. Thankfully, with my childlike view of the world, I don't have to be a master to make that next masterpiece. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Thank you.